Good evening, everyone. Um, so I preached this morning. Uh, this morning at our church, we're going over. Um, we finished up a series on building a healthy church. And so today I preached on our mission statement, what I'm proposing as our mission statement. So what I'm going to preach to you guys today is our church mission statement, but how it's based in the Bible. Okay. So it's a very general mission statement. It's the great commission. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but I'm excited to be here with you guys. Um, Let me just pray and ask the Lord for help and we'll get going here. Father, uh, you are good. Still November and we are still very thankful for who you are. Because you are a good God and you are a good father to us. You provide for your children. You love your people. You are building your church. You are building this church. You are doing good things in our lives, Father. And we thank you for what you are doing. And we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the gospel that we have in him. That that, that is perfect news. That is the greatest news of all. That we have an advocate. We have Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so, Father, in him, we pray that you would you would help us to see the mission that you are calling us to. You would help us to see what you are making us, that there is there is a task to be accomplished for this church, my church in Covina and all of the churches who preach the word of your word in Jesus. So, Father, I pray that the gospel would be clear and our mission would be laid out and we would be challenged to do your work. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So here's the statement. Here's the mission statement, general mission statement. The church exists to glorify God by making disciples of all nations through gospel centered worship and community. So let me say that one more time. The church exists to glorify God by making disciples of all nations through gospel centered worship and community. And I was thinking about this, like our our mission statements. I mean, there's a lot of churches that have mission statements and they push those. But are they biblical? And I want you guys to turn with me to Romans 1520. Turn to Romans 1520. And I want to show you that mission statements are in the Bible. Romans 15 and I'll and uh, verse 20. And it says, and thus I make it my ambition. This is Paul. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on somebody else's someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never heard or never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. So do you see Paul's personal mission statement here? It says, Paul has made it his ambition. Another word for ambition is his mission. 
His mission statement is to preach the gospel where God or Jesus Christ has never been named. Okay. And so this is why it's so good to have mission statements and, and just not, I mean, even if you don't have a church mission statement, I don't know if you guys do or not, but it's good to have a mission statement, a personal mission statement like this that says, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I live for. And so Paul, he never, he didn't wake up every morning and say like, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do today? Um, God, help me figure out what I'm going to do today. No, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake up and do what I have to do to preach the gospel to places that have never heard of who Jesus Christ is. And he did everything in light of this mission. He ate his meals in order for him to have enough nutrients and energy to preach where Jesus has never been named. He slept in a way that he can make sure he has enough energy to preach the gospel in places where Jesus has never been named. He learned how to make tents so that he can fund his mission of preaching the gospel in places where Jesus has never been named. And this is the way he strategized his life. And so as a church, as your church and as my church, we push mission statements or I push mission statements because this is what this is what drives us a lot of the time. And and if you look, Paul also bases it on what he sees in Isaiah 52. He says, it is written, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. That comes right out of Isaiah 52. And so what I'm proposing for tonight is that the mission would be about, would be based in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Okay, so here are my four points for tonight of this mission. The mission is make disciples of all nations. And the means of that is by gospel-centered worship and gospel-centered community. And the, and the third point will be the main goal, which is to glorify God. Okay? So those are the four points. Um, number one, <clears throat> our mission as a church, or our mission as the church, the universal church, is to make disciples of all nations. And this basically, right, I mean, that's, that's right out of Matthew 28. We are called to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them, And this is what we're supposed to do all across the globe. What does it mean to make disciples? And and that sounds like a, like a Christian term that only Christian use, only Christians use. But what does that Christianese actually mean? And I want it to be clear because a lot of people think making disciples is all about sharing the gospel. It's only sharing the gospel evangelism, but it's much more than that. Okay, it's much more than that. That's the first part of it. A disciple is a follower. You're making followers of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus calls people to be fishers of men, he is telling them to do what he did with the 12. He's telling them what to do in in terms of like what Jesus is doing here or what he's asking them to do is 
what he's doing with the 12 currently or at the time. He's saying, I'm not just going to meet with you on Sunday mornings. And then you go home and do whatever you want for the rest of the week. And then you come back on Sunday morning and we, you hear what I'm preaching and then you go, at, you go back home. No, Jesus is saying, live with me. Let me show you what the gospel is. Okay? Jesus was living life with them. Jesus lived in obedience to the Father. He showed them what that was. He showed them what joy in the Father was like. He showed them what being upset about the Father's name being blasphemed. He showed them what it was like. And Jesus definitely preached the gospel to the disciples. But what he did was he showed them how to treasure God above all things. And how to surrender their life. How to surrender every aspect of their life to the Father. So not only did he share the word, but he showed the word. Because he was the word incarnate. He was God's message. So if you want to live out the word, if you want to live out the message of God, it's being a follower of Jesus, living life like Jesus did and surrendering everything to the father. And this is what we're called to do when we're called, when it says, when Jesus says to the rest, to the whole church, make disciples of all nations, he's saying, live with them. Don't only share the gospel with them and leave them and hope they figure it out. No, live with them. Show them what the gospel is. Show them that Jesus is the solution to the greatest problem in the world, which is sin. And do more than that. Show them how to live life in light of that. As Jesus lived with the disciples. And if you want your church to grow... You want your church to grow inwardly? There should be consistent teaching of the gospel and showing the gospel to the disciples. If you want your church to grow outwardly, sharing the word, sharing the gospel without, outside of these walls and also serving the world around you. Why would you serve the world around you? Because what does he say? What is he making? Um, what are you making disciples of? Or who are you making disciples of? All nations. That's God's desire is to see all nations praising his name. Psalm 67, 3 and 4 says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations, the Gentiles, the, the white people, the black people, the Filipinos, the Mexicans. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Matthew 24, 14, and this is, this is a driving force of why I'm pushing a mission statement at my church. Matthew 24, 14, if you would like to turn there, well, please turn there. It's Matthew 24, 14, and it says, and this is the gospel of the kingdom. Will, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Why are we to make disciples of all nations? Because once all the nations hear the gospel, because once Jesus has ransomed a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, the end will come. 
And there are mixed feelings about the end, like Armageddon, and people are being scared of that. But for a Christian, those who are in Christ Jesus, this is the greatest news ever. The end is the greatest news ever. What can you tell me is better than seeing Jesus face to face? What is better than seeing your Savior? There's nothing. There's no, tell me what's better than no more sin. Perfection. What's better than no more pain or no more crying anymore? There's nothing. I can't wait to see Jesus. One day our faith will be sight. The clouds will be rolled back as a scroll. The trumpet will sound and the Lord will descend. And we will say, Christians, believers in Jesus Christ will say, it is well with my soul. And it is absolutely well with our souls. Don't you want to see Jesus? I mean, think about that day. And so if this is if this is our goal, if this is our ultimate happiness, what do we need to do to get there to our ultimate happiness? According to this verse is that the gospel of the kingdom would reach all nations. So get the gospel to all nations. I mean, this is what Jesus is waiting for. Jesus is in heaven looking at his watch and saying, Dad, is it time to go? I want to pick up my people. I want to pick up my brothers and sisters, a people that I've purchased with my own blood. Can I do that? But we have a task to fulfill as a church. We have things to do to accomplish before he comes. So the mission is to make disciples of all nations, sharing the gospel, not only sharing the gospel in word, but in deed, showing them what it means to surrender your whole life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So what's the means? How are we, how am I proposing we do that? The means, there's two of them, which is gospel-centered worship and gospel-centered community. Let me go with uh, gospel-centered worship first. Uh, Romans 1, or Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Before I get into that verse, I just want to talk about what worship is. Everybody worships. All creatures worship. We are created that way, to worship. Whether it be an actor, or an actress, or a singer, or an athlete, we're all wired to Admire greatness. Okay, so for example, my favorite singer, his name is Mark Broussard. I see the blank faces. Nobody knows who this guy is. This guy is an amazing singer. Okay, and and I love that when nobody knows who he is, because when I bring somebody to a concert of Mark Broussard, I mean, you just hear his voice, his deep baritone, raspy voice, and he can hit high notes, low notes. I mean, this dude is amazing. And so last time I went to a concert, I was like, Justin, this guy right here, Justin, you got to come with me. Check this concert out. I bet you you're going to love it. I bet you. And he's like, no, he's not going to be as good as John Legend or all these other singers. 
And as soon as he opens his mouth, Justin's like, yeah, this guy can sing. I mean, it's amazing. And so that that is the joy that I, I saw. That was worship for me. I was there was uncontainable joy in me that I was like, you know what? I have to bring somebody else to see this. And that's what making disciples is. And that's worship. When when your uncontainable joy is you can't hold that in and you bring somebody else in to share in your joy. And this is how you make disciples. And it ought to be that way with us. With Jesus, Jesus has to be a satisfying person. You have to be enamored with who Jesus is so much so that you say, look, you got to meet this Jesus. You have to meet this guy. He's amazing. He saved me from my sins. He has redeemed me. This is the guy you need to see. You need to hear him speak. Let me show you who he is in the word. That's what. Worship is, is and gospel-centered worship and gospel-centered making disciples is. You are, you're showing the glory of who Jesus is to others. And so when I say gospel-centered worship, I mean that Jesus, I mean worshiping Jesus as the centerpiece of the gospel. And, and worshiping Jesus in the context of the gospel. Because the world around us nowadays makes Jesus to be something else. Nowadays, they worship Jesus as just a friend. He's my friend. He's my best friend. I can talk to him whenever I want. And we can do whatever we want together. Or a while back, there was this time where they were saying, Jesus is my homeboy. Or Jesus is a genie. Every time I get in a bind, if I get in a car accident or something, then, then I, I mean, I call on him and that's when I pray to him. But other times, you know, if something happens in the next three weeks, then I'll call on him again. That's not the Jesus we're talking about here. It's not the teddy bear Jesus. No, we worship him in the context of the gospel. Jesus as the savior of sinners. Jesus as the redeemer of those who are unworthy. We worship Jesus as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We worship Jesus as the Supreme over all things, creator and sustainer of everything, judge and justifier of those who deserve hell. That's who Jesus is in the context of the gospel. Not only do we worship him in this way, but we are inviting others to do that. Do you, want, do you want to bring people into this church? Do you want people to see who God is? Invite them. Call them along with, call them to Psalm 34, 8 and say, taste and see the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. Do you want, do you want to be happy? Do you want to be blessed? In a world that's full of suffering and heartache, there is refuge in the one person, Jesus. And let me point something else out here about worship. God is not after works that are done grudgingly. He's not after, man, I got to read my Bible again, you know, like. He says, you know, dwell in it day and night. I got to read it again. Fine, I'll read it. I mean, he's not worshipped by that. 
He's not after lifeless obedience. No, God is after the affections of the heart, the joy that overflows, the excitement that you can't contain yourself. That's what he's after. Deeds that are done out of love for him is worship. Deeds that are not done out of, or deeds that are done to earn salvation is insulting to him. That's insulting to him. It's like saying, God, I owe you a hundred million dollars, but let me serve you or let me pay you back ten dollars. I mean, what an insult, right? I mean, like, you're not putting anything on it, really. Let, let me just let me just put something on it. That's not what that's not what this is. That's like I mean, the the point of the gospel is that Jesus paid the $100 million for you. Jesus paid that debt so that everything that you do now is out of love for him, is out of a devotion to who he is and what he's done for you. Everything that we should do or everything that we do now should be out of love and affection for him. I read my Bible now because I want to know the one who paid it all. I want to know the one who was gracious enough to give up his life so that I don't have to. And I don't want others to spend eternity in hell. I want them to know, hey, this is where you should go. Come with me. Come with me. And let me show you the one who pays people's debts. The one who pays eternity for you. That's how it makes disciples. That's how gospel-centered worship makes disciples. When we are so satisfied in Christ, we can't contain ourselves that we have to tell others about him. Okay, so that's the first one. Um, That's the first means. The second means is gospel-centered community. Gospel-centered community. God created us to be in community with one another. And use our gifts for the furtherance of this mission. That's what he's doing in Ephesians 4. He gives the the church a bunch of different people. Pastors, evangelists. People to use their gifts. So that Jesus can build his church and purify his bride. Ephesians 2. God is building the church using people bricks. We are the bricks and he is the cornerstone. Philippians 1.27, we are called to strive together in the work of the gospel. Strive together. The girls, in Philippians 4, the girls are fighting uh, Syntyche and Eutychus, I think her name is. They're fighting, they're quarreling, and Paul is saying, there is a bigger task at hand. Stop fighting about these little things and look at what we have to do for the gospel. Strive together, labor together for the gospel. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says we are called to meet together. And encourage one another as you see the day drawing near. You can't do that without a community of believers to do this with. Have you ever seen the Lord of the Rings? Have you seen the Lord of the Rings, uh, the Fellowship of the Ring? I mean, you have you have four hobbits. You have couple humans, a wizard, an elf, and a dwarf. 
altogether. I mean, these people don't normally hang out. But if you think about it, this is a great picture of what the church is. These are people or creatures that are together all for the sake of one mission, which is to destroy the ring. And that's what the church looks like. There are people, there are all kinds of people. There's old people, there's young people, there's, there's Latino people, there's black people, there's Mexican, like Filipinos. There's people in all walks of life, rich or poor. All of them have the same mission from Jesus Christ, which is make disciples of all nations. They have the mission in mind. In a church, you're a part of something bigger. You're not, it's not just about you. It's not something just to do on Sunday mornings. It's to accomplish. You're part of a big family to accomplish the mission that God has for you, that Christ has for you. And so I'm saying, I'm proposing that you guys use your talents and the gifts that God has given you. If you, God has made you hospitable, use that. Open up your home for people. Open up your home to a community so that they can, God can use your home for his glory. And, and I've seen that happen in this church. I mean, Al has invited us, me, I'm not even part of this church, but Al has invited me over to his house because of the community. Because there's a brotherhood there. And, and that's what it's like. And there's sound guys, people who know how to do sound. I, I mean, I don't know how to do sound. I would... I mean, this thing would blow up if it were up to me. If I were back there, I mean, I don't know how to do that. My brother is even worse than me. This guy doesn't know how to do any, any like, he's the least handy of all of our brothers. I mean, seriously, it's awful. But, but we are all, but he, I mean, when it comes to, I mean, I can't do what he does. He preaches two times a week. I can't do that. That's, I mean, that's amazing. He's gifted in a different way than I am. But we're both doing the same mission. We have the goal in mind. And all of you are gifted in a way to do parts of the mission. Contribute to the mission of God. Work together. Strive side by side in the work of the gospel. Whatever God has gifted you with, use that. Whether it's administration. Use it. For God's glory. Or use it to make disciples. So let me close with this. So we have the mission. Which is to make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? What's the means of that? Gospel centered worship. And gospel centered community. And what is all of that for? We don't make disciples just for the sake of making disciples. There's a point to it. There's a purpose to that. What is the purpose The beginning of that statement is we exist as a church to glorify God. That is the main goal. We want to bring glory to his name. That is what we're here for. And it brings glory to him when we obey his command, when we obey his commission, when we do the work that he has called us to do. That makes much of who Jesus is. And this is and glorify is another one of those Christianese words. And I don't I don't want to just gloss over. So what does it mean to glorify God? Or what does it mean to bring glory to Him? 
Okay? And it means it's, it's shining the light on Him so that we would be able to adore Him for all that He is worth. And He is infinitely worthy of our praise and adoration and worship. And when I say shine the light on Him, there's two ways that you can magnify somebody. There, or magnify something. You can, you can either be like a scientist where you're looking into something as in a microscope and making something really small, really big so that you can see it. Or it could be like a telescope where, you're, where things are so far away, but they're so vast. And that when you look into that telescope, you can see the vastness of the galaxy. And you can see the vastness of God's creation. And what I'm saying is that the church should be a telescope. You want to worship God and and glorify God and bring glory to him and who he is and his characteristics. The, The church should be the telescope. As people look at the church, they should be able to see, wow, look at the love of God. Look how vast the love of God is because it's being displayed within the church. They're loving each other as Jesus has loved. And when they're looking at the church, they should see, man, I want forgiveness like that. Why? Because the church is forgiving just as God has forgiven them. The church should be that telescope. The church should be that tool where you look through that and you see, my goodness, their God is real. And that's what it means when it says in in John 13... 35, and all people, all people will know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another. When you're loving the way that you're supposed to love, you bring glory to God because you're loving as Jesus has loved you. And that's the way this church should be a beacon of light, bringing glory to God. Because it displays who God is. To a world that desperately needs him. Okay. And so the beginning of the statement is. We exist. Or the church exists. And if you make that a personal statement. You exist. To glorify God. Your very existence. Is for the glory of God. As a Christian. You are to glorify God. With everything. Every fiber in your being. Is for that reason. That's why Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, we are to eat and drink and do all things to the glory of God. We are to live in a way that makes much of his grace and his love and goodness. And some people might think, well, why do I have to live everything for him? Why is everything all about him? What's in it for me? Well, The grace, the love, and the goodness is for you. He gets the glory. You get the joy. You get the benefits of his goodness, of his grace. See, his grace, because of his grace, you are given salvation that you don't deserve. Love, you get love that is so amazing that he would give up his son for you. And goodness You get the goodness that sustains every breath that you breathe. God is worth glorifying. And discipleship means 
or gospel-centered discipleship is when you allow God to just change you, transform you. And he just, and with the gospel, the gospel-centered worship, the gospel-centered community, you allow the gospel to clean every inch, nook and cranny of your life and let God transform you so that you can be a beacon of light for who he is. And that's, and that's what it means. Like when you look at 2 Corinthians 3.18, when you behold his glory, when you look and gaze at the glory of God and the gaze at the glory of Jesus Christ, you, you become like him. You, it says you are transformed from one degree, degree of glory to the next. And so when you are so enamored by who Jesus is and you look at him and you love him and you, you just can't get enough of him, that transforms you. And then you invite others to see, look how amazing Jesus is. And that transforms them. And then that transforms a whole community of people who are now a beacon of light for the glory of God. So let me say that sentence One more time, and then I'll close. We exist, the church exists, to glorify God by making disciples of all nations through gospel-centered worship and community. Let me pray. Father, um, you have called us to something. You have called us to a mission, to something greater than just living our lives day to day, working, going home, going to sleep, and doing a repeat. You have called us to something greater, a task. And I pray, Lord, that you would help this church fulfill it under the leadership of my brother and under, and under the leadership of Lord Jesus, mainly. And I pray, Father, that they would be faithful to the task that you have called them to which is to make disciples of all nations. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.